Hello, welcome to Volts for May 9th, 2022. Volts podcast, Andy Frank on how to sell whole home retrofits to skeptical consumers. I'm your host, David Roberts. One of the greatest riddles of the decarbonization effort is the residential sector, responsible for about 20% of U.S. energy-related carbon emissions. There are about 142 million housing units in the U.S., around 83 million of which are owner-occupied. Substantially changing them involves dealing with 83 million separate owners, each with their own circumstances and preferences. Residential decarbonization seems incredibly difficult to scale up, and attempts to date have not been particularly successful. At the rate we are going, it will take hundreds of years to decarbonize America's housing stock. The crew at New York-based climate tech company Sealed is trying something new, imported from the commercial efficiency market. Rather than trying to persuade homeowners to buy and install things with their own scarce resources, Sealed covers all the upfront costs and coordinates the work with trusted contractors. Homeowners pay the retrofit back out of the energy savings, which means Sealed only gets paid if there are, in fact, measurable energy savings. This kind of pay-for-performance arrangement is called an Energy Services Agreement, or ESA. Listeners to my pod with Rob Harmon will recognize the concept. Customers are paying for metered energy efficiency in the same way they would pay for energy. Sealed started small but is growing quickly, so I'm excited to talk to its president and co-founder, Andy Frank, about the frustrations and failures of residential energy efficiency to date, what he's learned about homeowner preferences, and what kinds of benefits come along with having a fully electrified home. All right then, so without further ado, Andy Frank uh, of Sealed, welcome to Volts. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about residential. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start by setting a little context here and let's just talk about sort of where does residential, uh, you know, emissions and energy sort of sit in the larger picture? How big of a piece of the puzzle is it climate-wise? Yeah, it's a pretty big piece of the puzzle. So home energy use uh, represents uh, about 20% of U.S. carbon emissions. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a big enough piece where we're really not going to be able to meet our, our climate goals uh, without nailing residential efficiency and, and electrification. As I like to say, it is a large opportunity, uh, but also one that has historically been very frustrating to make progress on. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's... Um... I wanted to ask about that because, you know, it's no secret that residential is a big piece of the puzzle. And there have been reasons well before climate change came along to want to cut home energy use to make home energy use more efficient. I mean, the arguments for efficiency, you know, stand utterly regardless of climate change anyway. It makes sense if you can save money and use less energy to do so. So we've known about this for decades and there have, there's been talk about it. You know, it's been talked and talked and talked about for decades about weatherization and retrofits and let's do, you know, retrofits across the nation and we'll retrofit 5 million buildings and just endless, but it never seems to really get going. (laughs) It never seems to really get off the ground. So what has gone wrong? Why has it been such a tough egg to crack? Why have previous efforts not cracked the egg? Yeah, there've been there've been many more um, ambitious goals than there have been uh, success stories. Yes, you know, 
to put it in perspective for for you and your your listeners, um, there's essentially been you know what I'd call 50 years of failure. So the first efforts to really promote energy efficiency, they they mostly called the conservation back then, uh, mm-hmm. was in around 1973 with the first um, with the first oil embargo, first big energy crisis. And where we are today, fast forward to today, um, we're still not in a great place. So at the current pace of retrofits, um, it's going to take us over 500 years to retrofit every single home. Um, and as, you, know, you know, and as your your listeners know, we don't have 50 years, much less 500. So we definitely need to do something. So what have we been, what have we been trying and why hasn't yeah. it been working? Yeah. So we've tried, a, we've tried a lot of things. Uh, not, not a lot of them have actually worked. So as I mentioned, uh, the first attempts were in the early 70s. Uh, a lot of people uh, associate the early days of energy efficiency with, with Jimmy Carter and, and asking the Americans to wear a sweater. But actually, President Nixon, a Republican, was the first one to push for, for conservation uh, in, the, in the early 70s to turn down thermostats and to take shorter showers and to you know, essentially change your, change your behavior. Did it start as kind of a public behavior campaign type of thing? Like, you know, yeah. hey, it's wartime. Turn down your thermosets. That's sort of that sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can't believe that didn't work. There was the the first uh, first big oil embargo and, and there were gas lines and everyone was mm. kind of in, in the state of shock. So nobody really knew what to do. Um, but obviously, you know, we're American. We don't like we don't like conservation. We don't like having to, to sacrifice. So the next wave, um, which was really kind of through the late 70s and 80s, uh, was really led by, you know, legends of this of this of this field. Uh, Amory Lovins, who was a big inspiration mm-hmm. um, uh, to me and Art Rosenfeld and a lot of these folks say, hey, this isn't actually about sacrificing. Um, this is about actually producing more with less, right? Or right. producing a better quality of life. The old, uh, the old line, you know, people don't want kilowatt hours; they want uh, cold <laughs> right. beer and hot showers, right? That right. was kind of the next wave, and that, of course, makes sense and has always made sense. But kind of the, at least in my mind, one of the original sins of the of the energy efficiency industry is it um, was created essentially by government uh, for government and through the and through the utilities and through and through local local contractors um, and so what that what that meant was you were essentially pushing uh, largely home energy audits uh, and you were pushing largely very technocratic solutions mm. um, on, on the populace mm. so I, I, I loved your your pod recently uh, talking about the uh, uh, economic style of reasoning uh, yes. formal thinking um, that was very very in vogue with with energy efficiency, right? The idea was if only we could educate people and give them exactly the right amount of information about what they're doing uh, with home energy use and how much energy they can save, of course they would spend thousands of dollars to make their home. Right. They are rational interest maximizers. So why why wouldn't they? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, essentially the value prop of residential efficiency, you know, essentially evolved to assume that homeowners uh, are all classical PhD economists and and (laughs) have a master's in building science, right? This was kind of the, 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 the theme. And are willing to balance, you know, short-term investment with long-term payback. Exactly. And of course, can calculate those things for themselves. Perfectly rational discount rates and all, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So, you know, the, the, the sales pitch, uh, you know, at the end of the day has historically been horrible. Um, you know, the, the, the way that energy efficiency has been sold for, again, pretty much the last 50 years is um, you get some sort of communication around, would you like to save money on your energy bills? 
great. Get an energy audit. Right. Um, uh, somebody shows up to your house. You have to schedule it. You have to take a half day off of work or something, or at least be, be in your home and, and, and aware of it. And someone who you don't know treks around your house for, for three hours, um, goes into all of the most you know private parts of your home. I, I won't even <laughs> speak to all the stuff that we saw when we were doing energy audits. Uh, it's <laughs> kind, of a crazy, kind of a crazy thing. And then at the end of the day, if you're lucky, they will sit down with you and say, hey, this is what we found. Here's how much energy we think you're wasting. And here's what you can do about it. And oh, by the way, that's going to cost you thousands of dollars to do um, to potentially save what you as a as a homeowner, as a consumer, largely see as fake money. And that's one of the kind of core problems of energy efficiency, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, which is that it's a very weird thing to ask someone to invest in something, <laughs> not right. use something. Right. <laughs> right. You segued perfectly into my next set of questions, which is, you know, if you had to summarize the problem with uh, the residential sector is that you are dealing with a bunch of people <laughs> you're dealing with, uh, you're, it's, it's high touch. Uh, let's say, um, you know, in every homeowner, you can't even really assume the level of rationality that you could sort you know, maybe assume in a business, in a large business, you know, because those people are sort of paid to be some version of interest maximizers, but just homeowners are just people and there's millions of them and you're trudging through one by one trying to convince them. And as you say, this sort of technocratic economic style approach turns out to be a terrible fit with normal people's <laughs> ways of thinking and expectations and desires. So let's talk about, you know, there's been a lot of research done lately about what does motivate homeowners. They're not, you know, they're not sort of carrying the one. They're not calculating down to the penny their energy costs. What what are their thought processes and what is motivating them when they do go forward with a retrofit or something like this? What motivates them to do so? Yeah. So the great news here is actually there's a lot that motivates people to move forward with these efficiency and electrification retrofit projects, but it's not energy. And it's usually not saving money on your energy bills. It's comfort, it's health, it's safety, it's quality of life. Mm. Um, so we kind of have a, a saying at, at, at Sealed, um, for anyone who's seen that, uh, the, the now classic movie, uh, Fight Club, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. So at Sealed, right, the first rule of selling energy efficiency is you don't talk about energy or efficiency, right? These are not things that generally resonate with real people. What you talk about is getting rid of drafty rooms and cold floors mm -hmm. and upstairs rooms that feels like that feel like sauna. You solve people's comfort, you solve their quality of life issues, and the energy savings are a way to actually make that affordable to, to install those solutions. How much of this is sort of anecdotal and how much of this is, do we feel like is nailed down by research and sort of like, what's the uh, balance? Is energy and saving money showing up at all? Is anyone or any homeowners talking about it? Yeah. So it's funny. Um, you know, there, there's obviously been a lot of, a lot of research over the years and, and, and largely through, through surveys um, that ask people, you know, what motivates them to, to adopt energy efficiency measures. And uh, they're normally set up though, in a way that doesn't actually give you great information. Because if, if I ask you, right, would you like to save money on your energy bills? You, you'd be an idiot to tell me no. But if I then ask you, would you like to spend $10,000 to save $100 a month, your answer is probably, eh, I'm not sure about that. Tell me a little bit more. Do I, do I think 
that's actually going to going to be there. Right. And so part of this is around, um, I think, mistaking people's general desire to save money, which if you watch, you know, uh, any number of commercials on TV, of course, that's a motivation for people um, with their with their desire to not invest money to save money. And furthermore, the other big problem is that the industry generally assumes, including in the research that they do, that most people actually believe in the energy savings. Mm. Um, so energy efficiency, again, is this very weird thing where it's you know the most uh, powerful, biggest energy resource that we have, right? If you look at all of the data, not just in residential, but in mm. across the sectors, it's been by far the biggest energy and carbon reduction resource we've had over the last 70 years. And plays a huge role in decarbonization in all the models. Exactly. It's what got me into it, right? Looking those, looking at some early models about what needed to what needed to happen. Um, but at the same time, it's invisible, right? It's the lack of something. So I kind of analogize it to dark matter, right? It's the <laughs> right. most powerful energy resource we have, but we literally can't see and feel it. And so that's always been the challenge, both at the macro level and all of the fights, you know, over the years with measurement and verification, yeah. um, but also at the micro level with a homeowner. Um, very early on at Sealed, we did um, a survey and we asked people. Um, if somebody you know did an energy audit in your home and, and projected that you would save $100 a month, how much do you think you would actually save? Um, and the answer across across the U.S. was less than $25. So in uh. other words, <laughs> people are um, discounting 25 cents or less on the dollar what you tell them. So the money's kind of you know the the money is not real. It's kind of uh, it's kind of fugazi for right. And so surveys are not really necessarily capturing how people value efficiency. They're capturing people's heavily discounted uh, um, sense of efficiency. Right. Exactly. Like, it's exactly. not the people don't think they're getting what they're even what they're paying for. Yeah. And, and so if you talk to any, you know, contractor who's actually, you know, sold this in the space over over a year, you go to the home performance conferences and things like that, they all know this, right? They sell on comfort, right? People mm. people sell on, on on making someone more comfortable. And of course they use, you know, incentives that are available from the utility and they and they want people to to believe, right, that they're gonna save money on their energy bills as a way to to also make this as affordable um, as possible. But the motivation has always been quality of life, you know, comfort, health, safety. You know, another uh, huge barrier to residential energy efficiency has always been, even if you sell people on the fact that they could get a lot of energy efficiency, it's still a huge project to do so and to know what to do. <laughs> so what is, I mean, when you, when you were thinking about starting Sealed, was, this, was the original vision, I mean, was the vision just make that project easy? Is that the, is that the whole point? So what is the sort of like proposition? Like if sealed knocks on my door, if I call sealed mm -hmm. in a house, what are you trying to offer me that, that overcomes that dread of dealing with, <laughs> with things, which I, which I feel so acutely. <laughs> yes, we'd well, love to love to hear hear more about that uh, on your end. Um, so, well, first off, I, I consider myself uh, a lazy environmentalist. So, <laughs> I, I want to use as little energy as as possible and reduce my carbon footprint. But, uh, but I'm, I'm I'm not a do it yourselfer. And uh, uh, as as my wife will, will probably tell you, I'm not I'm not Mister Fix It in, in the home. So, <laughs> I need I need help. So, um, you know. So, first off, uh, just just to kind of lay the groundwork. So, so sealed. We're a, we're a climate tech company. Uh, 
on a mission to, to stop home energy waste and electrify all homes. So that's kind of what we're trying to do when we, we approach each home. I actually recently um, got my own home sealed. So after uh, after working in this uh, space for a while and uh, and building up sealed, um, I, I can finally, as they say in the startup industry, I eat my own dog food. Um, <laughs> so how did you how did you find the experience with yourself? I, I found it I found it great. I found it great. I'm a very I'm a very biased uh, biased source, but it was uh, it was it was great. So you know what what it looks like to work with sealed, and I'll just I'll talk you through my own experience as part of this. But basically, we we design, manage, and finance the home weatherization and electrification projects, and we really aim to, to the points you made before to make it both as easy and as affordable for people to be comfortable while using less energy. And I think the thing that really evolved as as we've built Sealed is that I, you know we focused initially really on affordability, yeah. that piece of trying to make it as um, as affordable as possible to to do that. Did you go in with the sort of common assumption, the conventional assumption that this is mostly about money and saving money? I mean, did you kind of sort of share that misapprehension at the first? Oh yeah. So, so I went into this, you know, believing all of the, you know, all of the, um, quote unquote, best practices and all of the, you know, received wisdom in the space. You know, I, right. I was uh, essentially classically trained in neoliberalism, <laughs> you know, in, in college right. and, you know, took uh, courses from all of the, you know, very smart and wonderful professors who, you know, believe in things like the the preeminence of the Kyoto Protocol. So I, I came in <laughs> with a very like, you know, that kind of technocratic uh, view and, and obviously being in the field and spending time with, with, with our contractors and with homeowners, you know, really shaped um, my view of how we needed to, to change things. So early on, you know, myself and, and my uh, co-founders and, and early early folks would go to, you know, train stations to talk to people to find out what they thought about their energy or, or comfort. Uh, interviewed every single homeowner, you know, that I could in my network to really understand how people think about this. Shadowed lots of energy audits, you know, did, did a lot of really um, grounding research to understand kind of what this looks like um, and, and came to the conclusion, which again, is not I don't think it's rocket science, mm-hmm. which is that people are really motivated um, to do things that improve their quality of life and make it as easy and affordable to do that. We have a actually a pretty simple framework um, for creating value um, that, that we like to reference sometimes, uh, which is uh, GAF is greater than than LAF. So this is a this is a, fa- a family <laughs> podcast, so I won't uh, do the full translation of that. But you know, everyone is uh, is greedy. We want things. We're Americans, right? We want to live. We want to live well. But we're also a little bit lazy, right? I'm gonna, like I said, consider myself a lazy environmentalist. Yeah, I saw something. I saw something in some of your research. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it had something to do with the fact that people will often say that they're looking to save money, but like in practice, once the time comes, they don't actually act that way. You know what I mean? In, in some sense, survey results talking about saving money are about people's kind of identity, right? And their sort of image of themselves, which does not always play out in practice. You know, going back to, to my project, like we we focus a lot on finding the the, the pain with people. So in, in, in my case, um, we moved into this house, wonderful house. We love it. But it was it was not sealed, right? The the floors are cold all the time. My wife had to literally decide went to like different bathrooms depending on what the weather was like outside because <laughs> it was too cold to go into some. We're wearing you know wearing slippers uh, all the time, at least two layers uh, at all times, including while we're in bed. It's just you know not a not a comfortable place to uh, not a comfortable place to be. And so you know of course do we want to save money? You know do 
we want to reduce our bills here and there? Yes, but that's not really the primary motivation. And so one of the things that's really interesting about this space is that for the past 50 years, the industry has trained people to just think about you know saving money on their energy bills as mm-hmm. the equivalent of energy efficiency. Um, and so a lot of times the the challenge that we have with our with our marketing messages and with our with our sales conversations is we need to kind of separate that out when we're talking to people. Because most people that we talk to, they of course want to save money generally, but they also have these very real comfort and, and quality of life problems. Yeah. How many people I'm sort of curious how many people even know that greater comfort is like among the product offerings. Do you know what I mean? When they, when they think about energy efficiency and retrofits, do a lot of people even know that comfort is part of the picture before you sort of come and kind of raise that issue? Uh, it's a great question. So we spend a lot of our marketing education uh, investments on, on making that explicit. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll focus a lot on, uh, showing through gifts, live action, video, text, articles, whatever it is, explaining to people the connection between their comfort problems and energy efficiency. Cause to your point, a lot of people don't know that. Um, and a lot of times if they, if they do, or if they think they do, um, I can't tell you the number of conversations we have with customers where they call up and they say, Hey, you don't need to talk to him anymore. I know what my problem is. It's my windows, right? And they just think it's their <laughs> windows. And of course, you know, 90% of the time, it's not their windows because of, I won't get into the details, but building science, stack effect, yeah, basically. Yeah. You think it's your windows because that's what feels cold, but it's actually um, your lack of insulation or lack of, you know, balance heating and cooling in your in your home. Right. So sealed comes to me, the homeowner, and what is the sort of value proposition? Like what, what do I, what are the steps I go through? Yeah. So you'll, you know, you can click on an ad and, you know, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you, wherever you find us. Um, and basically we walk you, the first step is that you essentially give us a bunch of information about yourself, what your comfort problems are, um, what things you want to solve and as much information about your home as you, as you, as you know, essentially and can share, share your energy usage history as well. And then what our team does is we uh, take that information, we pair it with third party information and, and tools, and we actually put together a proposal for you. So we say, Hey, without ever going to your home, without having to roll roll a truck, without ever having to send a contractor to you, um, this is what we think is going to make sense for your home, is going to solve your problem. You can get pretty close without a site visit? Yeah, yeah. I remember um, several years ago, um, I was going on an energy audit with with one of our, one of our contractor partners, and we pulled up to the house, and he, he looked at me and he said, Andy, I'm going to crush this house. This is going to be $10,000. We're going to reduce their heating heating usage by 30%. I'm going to do you know this amount of insulation here. There's probably two knee walls there I'm going to do. We'll do some rim joists and like we're done. And I'm like, great. That's awesome. So why are we doing the energy audit? And he's like, well, you know, we got to, we got to go through the program and, you know, we got to, <laughs> we got to show the customer that we did a whole bunch of work and that we, you know, did the blower door test and we did X, right. Y, or Z. Um, and, you know, I wish I could say the next day we, we, we shifted to this remote, uh, remote, uh, remote <laughs> audit model. It t- took us a little while and credit to, uh, to Ali Adler, our, our, our VP of marketing and, and, and Dan Hockman, who is our, uh, head of sales for a long time and, and is now, now, now at SolarEdge. But we really, uh, found out that you can do most of the work uh, remotely, um, especially with today's tools. Um, and, and obviously with COVID, um, that's only accelerated as people want to get more and more comfortable with, with, with having these kind of conversations remotely. And so the proposal is, uh, is what? 
So we essentially say, here's the project that we think that makes sense, right? This tonnage uh, heat pump, these number of these number of heads, this amount of weatherization, um, this amount of air sealing, mm-hmm. and essentially this is what the project's going to cost, right? This is this is what the market, uh, this is what the market value for this. If you were to if you were to if you were to pay cash, um, and if you want to f- uh, finance with a, uh, us with it, we'll cover the upfront costs, and essentially these are the terms in which you which you would pay that back to us based on the amount of energy that's actually saved. So one thing that's very unique uh, about Sealed is that we put up the upfront cost to um, to pay for these projects. So you as a Sealed customer would not have to pay anything. I've not paid Sealed anything as a, as a Sealed customer. Um, the only payment to us is based on the actual amount of energy re- reduced. So if we don't cut energy waste, we don't get paid. Um, so we're very accountable for the performance and aligned with the project actually working. That's a model that's been around in some form or another in commercial buildings mm-hmm. for a while, right? I mean, that's sort of the way commercial energy efficiency. I mean, I just you know had Rob Harmon on the on the pod a few weeks ago talking about his model, but this is sort of paying for actually produced energy efficiency, measured energy efficiency, as though it were energy. Mm-hmm. That's been in place in commercial buildings for a while. Are you, as far as you know, is is this the first? Uh, are you the first to bring this to sort of the residential space? Uh, as far as we know, yes. I mean, as as you mentioned, this has kind of always been um, the the holy grail of the of the residential <laughs> space. Is can you bring the ESCO this this model, this performance financing model, this ESCO model from commercial and government to, to residential? Um, and so that's really what we're what we we think we've cracked um, in terms of being able to be able to bring that to the residential space. So you know the customer science and model. You're not doing the work. You're coordinating with contractors, local contractors. Is that right? That's you have cool. like, do you have like a you know binders, <laughs> binders <laughs> full of <laughs> full of contractors that that are good? We we uh, you normally in spreadsheets, but yes. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so yes, exactly. So we um, get the customer to the point where they they know what project they want to do. We, we we work with our contractors, so the pricing comes from from comes from the negotiations that we have mm-hmm. with, with contractors in their in their area. Um, and then once they they sign an agreement, we say, okay, great. We're now going to connect you with the best local contractors to confirm the project and then and then install it. Um, mm-hmm. And this is important because especially with bigger uh, home weatherization and electrification projects, like the one that I had, I had three different contractors. So normally, if you want to get your home weatherized and um, replace your your fossil system with a heat pump system, which is you know more and more people want to do, you essentially have to be your own your own GC, right? You essentially have to coordinate a bunch of different contractors. And oh, by the way, the HVAC contractor needs to know how much weatherization is being done so they can run the manual J in the correct way. And that all has to right. Well, even I, I mean, I even went through the process. Um, you know, this was like nine years ago, a, a similar process to this. And I even went through one of these sort of coordinating, you know, we'll coordinate it all type of, of services companies. And as long as I was talking to the, you know, the coordinated all service company, they were all super great and attentive and like had all the right answers to my questions. But then you get passed off to a, a contractor. And in my experience, it was not guaranteed that the contractor would know what exactly what was going on or, or have any good answers or or be as accountable as, you know, you're sort of led to believe by the sort of great customer service you get from the yeah. coordinating. So, so I guess the question is just sort of how, you know, I assume you're putting a lot of work into making sure these contractors are as attentive to customer service as you are. 
Yeah, and that's a big focus for us. It's not just um, important for the work itself to be done well, um, because if it's not done well, we don't we don't make money, right? If the work isn't done well, the customer's not saving energy, right? We're, we're losing money. Um, but also, we have a long term relationship with the customer. So when we talk about you know kind of managing your project, that's from beginning to end. That's from when you first click on a sealed ad and, and fill out some information until up to twenty years after your project is is complete. Mm. Um, so that the level of of service and the level of of experience that you have for us is is super important. Um, so we spend a lot of time um, working closely with our contractor partners to make sure that people are going to be on time and that mm-hmm. you know the right protocols are gonna uh, are gonna occur with with keeping the the site clean and you know in any number of any number of small details. And of course, you know it's residential construction; things don't always go go perfectly. But we're motivated to make sure that they go as well as possible because our relationship is not done with the customer when the project ends. Right. So as a customer, you know, like some insulation contractors show up and do their thing and then they leave and then a heat pump contractor shows up and does their thing. Then they leave. And then what, like, what is, what is sealed, um, you know, ongoing relationship with me? Um, so that all happens. Um, we're, as I mentioned before, we, we pay the contractors. We do that only after, uh, receiving verification, photo verification, um, as well as written verification from the customer that the that the project was performed to to spec, right? So we're first mm. kind of verifying that the project was was done well and that and that the customer is happy. After that, um, then you're enrolled in sealed in sealed's platform where we're where we're literally tracking the performance of your project, um, and we're doing this for for two reasons. One, of course, we want the customer to understand how much energy are they are they actually you know how much energy waste are they actually reducing, right? How much energy are they actually saving? Um, and that's also how we build a customer. So you are only paying sealed based on the actual energy reduction that you that you receive. So we look at your past energy usage before the project. We adjust it for weather, um, and then that's your your baseline. We measure that against your actual usage after the project, and you're only paying sealed based on that delta. This is metered metered efficiency, metered which Volt's uh, listeners will be familiar with yes. from, <laughs> from previous episodes. This is direct to consumer metered efficiency, exactly. Uh, and so the customer then, over time, you know, in the years following this project, is seeing what on like a monthly basis, mm-hmm. like here's the energy I saved. And then here's, you know, how much is going to, to sealed out of that. So I guess my question here is your business model relies on there being enough energy savings <laughs> in, in the house to pay for these projects. And is, I mean, how is, is it true for almost every house? Like, can you make the economics work for almost any house or do you ever get contacted by someone and hear their story and just be like, oh, we can't really squeeze enough juice out of your apple to make it worth it? Or yeah. is it, is it just the case that every house can be improved enough to make the numbers work? I would say most, most houses, um, if you know that we will sometimes get very, I'd say overzealous uh, <laughs> uh, energy nerds who have you know done everything, have insulated the house, <laughs> have uh, right. uh, have you know have heat pumps and want to see what they can do. And you know we tell them, well, you know that looks like you've done a good job. I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to I don't want you spending money that you don't need to spend to to marginally improve your home. Um, but for most homeowners, this this makes a lot of sense. Um, but one thing that's different 
that we're doing um, compared to the, the most of the rest of the industry is we don't have this. Uh, there, there's kind of this um, uh, Maginot line that the industry has generally had, which is bill neutrality, right? So God forbid that I spend money improving my comfort, improving my quality of life, if it's going to mean that I spend one penny more. Right. I was just about to ask this. So the customer, I mean, in theory, the customer's total energy bill going forward could be lower, even if they're paying sealed. You know, you could be saving some, enough energy to sort of pay sealed and take a cut. But that's not, you're not guaranteeing that. That's not part of the value. You're not guaranteeing that their total costs will will decline. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, frankly, in, in most cases, um, their energy budget, their total energy budget, including what they're paying to sealed, actually goes up. Mm-hmm. So we've actually found this is actually more honest and, and very powerful with the customer because we're telling the customer that they are going to pay a certain amount of money to live in a better home. And <laughs> right. so just like you would pay for a better, you know, for remodeling your bathroom or paying for retiling your, your floors, you are, you are paying to have a more comfortable and healthier home. Now you're only paying that if the project actually performs. So unlike most home improvements, right, where you're kind of you're paying for the site unseen, you're only paying if that actually performs. That's a big difference. But we're not trying to pretend like you're only going to pay for things that are going to lower your overall energy budget, because that creates a lot of weirdness in how you scope projects and ultimately the value. Right, right. So so just out of curiosity, I mean, what is the, if I'm just saying a normal, like my house was built in 1954. I'm in a normal suburban house. I've got a natural gas furnace. I've got, you know, sort of half F insulation like most houses do. What is the sort of merit order of improvements? Like, is there, is there a baseline thing that you do first to almost every house or is, or how bespoke, I guess, is it from house, <laughs> from house to house? So right now we have two, uh, we call plans. Um, so the first plan is our comfort plan, and that's really focused on, on weatherization. Um, so for your house, that would likely be looking, you know, in the attic, in any knee walls, mm-hmm. if you have any, um, uh, you know, exposed rim joists in, in your basement, trying to essentially, you know, as we like to say, keep the outside out, right? Seal mm-hmm. all the places, put in the right amount of insulation. We'll, we'll give you a, a smart thermostat as well to make sure that, you know, you're modulating everything in the in the right way. Um, and typically we'll do the attic, typically the basement again, if it's unfinished. Um, and then usually homes have something else that we're doing. So again, in my case, it was um, what we call a frog. Uh, freezing room over the garage. So uh, <laughs> uh, my my bedroom is uh, right above the garage, and the garage ceiling was not insulated. So the 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 company that came in and did the weatherization for for, for my home, Doctor Energy Saver, you know, basically drilled some holes in the ceiling of my garage, uh, blew in insulation into there, and now my my bedroom is a lot more comfortable because you know there's not there's not stuff there. Other people have overhangs. Um, sometimes people get their their walls insulated as well. Again, it kind of depends on the on the home. Mm-hmm. And then people go for heat pumps. You know the comfort. I guess the comfort proposition of the of the insulation thing is very clear. Mm-hmm. What what are people's motivations on on heat pumps, or how do you sell the heat pumps? Yeah, so heat pumps. So those are part of our what we call our climate control plan. And typically, if someone's home is not weatherized, we will include a weatherization component of that mm-hmm. of that plan. Um, we will not 
install heat pumps into an unweatherized home because they're not going to perform and we won't make money. Um, <laughs> but the motivation for heat pumps is really strong. And it depends, you know, a little bit on, on, on circumstances, but you're essentially getting a new modern heating and cooling system that is um, more comfortable, healthier, quieter, safer, just better. Um, one thing that was really interesting um, when we were doing research and putting together the plan is we we did a, a survey around the things that people were most excited about when it came to, to heat pumps. And, um, <laughs> and, and our, and Ali, who I mentioned before, our, our VP of marketing uh, was insistent that we put in this question around um, the fact that it does both heating and cooling, that it's kind of a two for one. Yeah. I've always thought that's a, a, a poorly, like, I don't know that the public really gets it. It seems like a great secret, a secret weapon. So I also, th- I also thought, you know, who, who cares about that? Whether it's two for one, this is going to be a wasted question. We should ask something else. And she, she was very dogged and put it in. Um, and of course, uh, out the other side, <laughs> the number one thing that people were attracted to with heat pumps was the fact that it did both heating and Uh, cooling together. They just love the idea that it's this two for one, (laughs) you can save space. It's also just this modern type thing. Um, So that was an interesting thing. And of course, she has not let me forget it that, uh, that 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 I was against including the question. Just from your experience, how big of a deal is the health thing, the indoor air thing related to natural gas? I'm curious whether that knowledge has started penetrating the wider public yet? It's definitely started. Um, you know, the talking point here is, and this is mostly with with gas stoves, but it's even worse if you have other appliances, but basically the health effects from a indoor air quality perspective of, of having a, a gas stove, for example, is the same of having a smoker inside the home. So there's more and more articles that are coming out. We're hearing that more and more from our customers. Um, but there's a lot of actually other health um, implications of, of heat pumps people think less about. So when we were doing our, our research to put together this plan, we talked to a lot of people who had considered or gotten heat pumps um, for, for health reasons because of the need to have constant temperatures at all times. So there's a lot of people with health conditions where you really can't have temperatures that get too hot or too cold. You need, you need to stay at a certain rate. And heat pumps uh, give a constant temperature at all times versus right. fossil, you know, kind of traditional fossil systems kind of turn on and off. Yes, I'm familiar with the giant blast of, <laughs> of warm air, uncomfortably yeah. familiar with this phenomenon. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a few different angles there. So, you know, people are paying you back out of their savings. What is the typical term uh, of payback? Like how long are people typically taking to pay you fully back? So we have a, a standard term of, of 20 years, which is mm-hmm. you know, very similar to uh, you know a solar lease or, or a PPA. So basically, we, we, we like to do it as long, uh, as, long as we can, uh, given the, the, life of the conservative view of the life of the measures, mm-hmm. um, because we want to keep the, the monthly payments as low as possible for the, for the customers and, again, make it as affordable as possible. So what happens then when the house changes hands, when the house is sold? What is your arrangement somehow tied to the house or does it go with the homeowner? Who's, who takes over the bills? How does that work? Sure. So, you know, not to get too technical, um, but, you know, we don't have a lien on the house, right? So unlike something, you know, like, like, uh, like Pace or, uh, mm-hmm. or a home refinancing, uh, we can't take your home if you don't repay <laughs> us, right? It's, it's ultimately an un- unsecured product. There's, you know, we have, we still have some leverage uh, over you. So we, we have not had uh, a knock on wood. We have not had any um, defaults to date, but, um, but it's, it's not something where we can take your home. Um, but 
The um, so the options that you have when you move are to one um, transfer that agreement to the next homeowner, um, and that homeowner needs to obviously qualify and and accept the uh, accept the sealed terms, um, or you can exercise an early payment option. So in in everyone's contract, there's a schedule essentially that you know goes down over time in terms of how much money they can pay us to essentially buy out of the agreement, and so you can leverage that. And one thing that's really great about the um, investments that we're making in in the home is that it's increasing the the, the home value. So yeah, right. these improvements, there's a lot, and there's more and more great data um, around this coming out all the time. But these improvements are improving your your home value, and this is uh, these types of improvements, these types of energy efficiency and and electrification improvements are increasingly things that people are looking for when they buy their home. Um, and so you know you can essentially pay us back for whatever is remaining in the agreement out of the increase of home value of your home. Got it. So this is a slightly philosophical question, but you know, um, this is about making a market for, for this product, uh, this product sort of home comfort, I guess you'd call it, or home ceiling, but there are benefits to doing this that are, let's say, um, you know, social benefits, you know, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And, and, you know, there are, there are ways in which I think it helps utilities that aren't necessarily captured in a private transaction. There are social benefits to this. So I'm just curious, like, is your vision and hope that the market will take over this and mainly drive this? Or do you think even given a market, there still is an argument for some form of public subsidy and public, um, you know, policy to help? So we think policy is is very is very important. I'm a I'm a recovering uh, political junkie and policy <laughs> nerd, um, and we think there's a huge role to play for for policy, and, and in particular around performance standards, um, which I think is a policy that has been um, neglected and not focused on as as big of a performance standards for like appliances and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the big gains we've made in energy efficiency is because of appliance standards. It wasn't mm-hmm. any kind of fancy programs or anything like that. It was just simply saying, hey, now your refrigerators need to be this more efficient. <laughs> right. Go do it. And, uh, you know, it's funny when we, when we, <laughs> when I ask questions about this and again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, in the, in the policy world, uh, full time. So, so maybe a little naive, but you know, there, there's ways to be more aggressive, uh, even what the Biden administration is doing today mm-hmm. when it comes to, um, performance standards, um, and being able to go beyond hundred percent efficiency because heat pumps and, and other electrification devices are more than hundred percent efficient. So being able to set efficiency levels higher and, you know, you talk to a lot of folks in the space and, and they'll essentially say some version of like, well, we don't want to go to that far because like we could get sued, right? Or we could get sued by the, you know. You're, well, I mean, you're always going to get sued. That's just, exactly. part of the, that's just part of the process now. When was the last time one of these things was not sued over? Exactly. Exactly. You're, I'm, pre- I'm preaching to the choir here. So anyways, <laughs> not, not sure uh, not sure where, where that's going to go. Um, so anyways, so we're very pro- uh, policy uh, levers and in particular performance standards, but we also see um, a huge value driver from the, as you kind of put it, the, the the utility and societal value of energy efficiency. Right, you can either meet your energy needs by increasing supply or by reducing demand or some mm-hmm. some combination um, thereof. And, and historically, despite a lot of a lot of efforts, energy efficiency has not been valued in the way that it really should by 
um, by the utilities, by the grid operators, by kind of every, by you know from a, from a carbon perspective, mm-hmm. um, etc. Um, so what what we believe needs to be done is that the utilities and government and kind of the policy space needs to provide a really really both simple and performance based market incentive to companies like Sealed and, and many others. Um, and this is an alternative because the, the policy I was sort of asking about trying to get about is sort of traditional weatherization mm-hmm. programs as, as they're run now through utilities. And I just wonder, like, you know, I hear critiques about them all the time. I wonder if you just think it would be better to scrap those and, and move over to something like a you know, a market incentive to try to bring private capital in uh, or, or whether you think there's still a role for those sort of old weatherization programs? Yeah, um, I, I very much uh, think that the shift needs to needs to happen. Um, you know, we've talked to to folks in a uh, number of states that I won't I won't, I won't name, but, um, you know, there's not always a, uh, a private capital is not always welcomed. In, in a lot of places in this in this market, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's it's you know we'll just let's just throw ratepayer money at it or let's just throw taxpayer money at it and and that's great but you know eventually you know you, you run out and the, and the private capital markets are just so much bigger than what we've historically thrown at the problem. And this seems like I'll, I'll say this because maybe you can't. This seems like a sort of classic case where you know where a sort of a small c conservative critique can sort of apply in that you create these sort of government programs and they become at a certain point partially dedicated to their own <laughs> ongoing survival do you know what i mean like you get interests on the policy side interests on the utility side that are very accustomed to this way of doing things and have their hands on big pots of money and don't necessarily want the apple cart upended yeah my uh, my co-founder uh lauren is a uh, both a both a small and big c uh conservative and uh whenever whenever um i we kind of run into this dynamic i, I always have to you know, we kind of joke that I'm, I'm moving a little bit uh i'm moving a little bit to the right today when uh, <laughs> regulatory <laughs> capture is a, is a re- it's a real thing there's no sense there's no sense pretending it's not it's a real thing. The, the good news, the good news I will say though, is well, we're we're seeing, I would say, more progressive uh, points of view in this uh, in the last few years. And the thing that we think needs to happen um, in the market, and a lot of the um, we work with with actually a number of uh, utility partners in in New York in particular, and, and a few other in a few other states. And so, one thing we've really been talking with with a lot of them about is moving from this very command and control program structure. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like. A, you know, it's it's as it's as close to uh, to kind of Soviet style planning as we have in the, in the US <laughs> yes. um, towards um, towards a, a perform what we call a performance playbook or basically a market aligned model for for doing things. Um, there's essentially kind of three steps to make that happen. Um, the first is um, is access. So to even participate in most of these programs, you largely need to be one kind of company. You, normally, times you need to be a contractor, right? Sealed. A lot of times, we don't actually qualify for programs, even though we are spending you know lots of money in customer acquisition, in financing, and mm-hmm. coordination, and all of these different things because we don't actually install the the project. Mm-hmm. And so you're asking these contractors to basically do all of this coordination in addition to being great at uh, construction management and scoping right. and all this stuff. It's, it's not really not really fair to them, right? These, these are really hard businesses to run, um, especially at scale. So you need to expand who can qualify for these incentives to be much greater. You can create a much 
greater innovation ecosystem. So a lot of the right. times the thing that's really not captured in all of the models is the innovation tax that you have by putting out a hundred page RFP, which I've been in the trenches <laughs> filling those out, right? Those, those will kill innovation really quickly, right? In doing this. Yes. So, so you need to make it accessible, easy for lots of different kinds of real market actors. And the way I define real market actors is if you make money based on a customer, uh, like a homeowner or a business paying you money, you're a real market actor, right? And that's, I think, important a lot of times to distinguish in this space. And we need to have more of those that are able to really participate at scale in, in these incentive um, programs. Um, the, the second thing um, is around sustainability. Um, a lot of states and a lot of utilities, they'll jack up these really high, uh, what's called downstream rebates or customer-facing rebates to get people to say yes. Like Denver, I think, just put out some you know crazy crazy rebate program that's probably going to you know run out in <laughs> in a couple of weeks if it's not already mm-hmm. if it hasn't already uh, run out and what that does is you're is it basically giving a sugar crash to the market mm-hmm. so you're basically telling all the people hey do this when it's really cheap right when there's huge rebates and then you're not going to do it anymore after that because you're expecting the next round to happen which which may or may not may or may not happen so you're creating again this this kind of bad incentives for the market and you're ultimately making it not sustainable so the way to solve for that is even with large incentives which are great we want as much rate payer money invested in these projects as possible you do those through midstream incentives so you send them you basically have the money go through um, the, the actual market actors and then those market actors can figure out the best way to use those dollars to increase adoption right, right. Whether it's through whether it's through customer facing incentives investing more in God forbid sales and marketing which is how markets actually grow <laughs> um, or you know building the infrastructure to grow even further and then the third thing is performance based right a lot of these programs give incentives or rebates based on how much the project costs which obviously creates horrible incentives you've seen this in yeah, yeah um, right or you know something based on the measures and you really you know you get what you pay for and so you really need to have a performance mindset in terms of pay for performance right well and we and I talked about this with uh, with Rob Harmon too it is which is just that um, measuring energy efficiency with enough precision to sort of make it into a, a saleable market product is relatively new is a relatively mm-hmm. recent thing so you know a lot of kind of market and policy structures that were built before that was possible you know are, are sort of lumbering to move to take account of it but it's a you know it's a new and exciting thing that you can now commodify energy efficiency like this exactly and that i think is i think you hit the nail on the head that that's something that's really changed in the market and has certainly made a business like sealed possible um you know we're not the first one to to think about or try to do um something like the you know performance financing for for residential mm-hmm. but what we did that was different was instead of trying to solve essentially an engineering problem and try to calculate the energy savings um, based on you know any number of crazy you know DOE <laughs> energy models, um, we kind of threw that out and said that's a that's a that's a I don't know if it's an impossible problem but it's a stupid problem to solve. Let's solve a very possible problem, which is actually measuring this from a statistical basis, right? So we leverage machine learning, specifically predictive analytics, to look at um, how actual homes use and save energy based on different home characteristics and different project types. So we can be very confident in a portfolio of homes that a certain amount of energy is going to be saved to the extent mm. that which we can go to a bank and actually go to an insurance company um, right. like Hartford Seam Boiler, which we have a reinsurance policy with, and say, hey, here's here's the math, here's what we're investing in, and you're actually going to you know lend us money, or you're actually going to kind of re- Ensure this portfolio of homes based on the accuracy of our of our predictions. 
So final question, two-parter, final two questions. Um, you know, first, just tell us a little bit about sort of where Sealed is operating, where where customers can actually do this. And, you know, uh, I know you just got some new funding, sort of where you're looking to expand next. So sort of short term, uh, where is Sealed and where it's going? And then long term, I guess, uh, more speculatively, I'd love to hear sort of, you know, a little sort of blue sky dreaming about <laughs> what could be the next step in making you know, things even easier for customers, being even more thorough in what you do in a house, sort of like where's the where's the next, um, you know, sort of next frontier of residential uh, in, in the residential space? Yep. I'm happy to, happy to hit both of those. Um, so uh, give you context, Sealed has um, raised over uh, $60 million, uh, including um, $29.5 million in our, our last round, which was a Series B um, extension with, um, with with Fifth Wall and Keyframe Capital um, and uh, Footprint Capital, which is um, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, investment investment. Oh, huh. So, um, so we've got some some great some great investors. Some cool money, not just money, but cool. Exactly, cool we've, got money. That, we've got that cool Iron Man money uh, in addition <laughs> to uh, in addition to other great folks. Um, and um, so my 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 co-founder Lauren, who's our who's our CEO, um, led led that round and and did uh, did a great job, kind of uh, putting us in a in a position to be able to um, I think really as far as I know, it's one of the largest uh, venture investments in, in home energy retrofits in in, in many years. Mm. Um, so we're really in a great position to be able to expand our model and be able to grow. And as you can imagine, with with that kind of uh, a funding, where we've been growing fast and, and plan to grow, um, continue to grow fast in the future. Um, so um, give you some some perspective. Over the last year or so, we uh, have had seen revenue growth of uh, about four and a half x year over year. We grew a headcount about two and a half x, and we grew from uh, one state, uh, New York, where we've been been based and, and built our business for many years, um, to now five states: so New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, where I live now, um, Pennsylvania, and uh, and we recently launched in in, in Chicagoland in, in Illinois, which is where yeah. I'm from originally. So it was very very heartening for me uh, to be able to, to to see that. And we also uh, dramatically grew our heat pump sales uh, as part of that as well, about fivefold. Still mostly northeast then, huh? What's the where? Which way are you marching? Are you marching south? Or are you going to come west? So we, we we launched in Illinois. So we're now in the Midwest. So that's uh, that's outside of the the northeast uh, <laughs> proper. Um, we're our wonderful market expansion team is uh, is taking a look at, at different markets that we're gonna we're gonna go to. Um, we do want to start to uh, experiment with markets that are warmer than what we've seen so far. Yeah, more temperate. I was wondering about that. I was wondering, I mean, obviously, I guess, you know, sort of intuitively, my guess is just the colder the place, the easier it is for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> the easier it is for you to, to make business. Well, well, we're not sure about that. So so we're, we're a very uh, sick business. We, we like pain, right? So we want it to be either really, really hot uh, or really cold, right. ideally both in the same in the same year. So so obviously, you know, in, in other other climates, and I know in, in your climate, it's getting, uh, unfortunately, due to global warming, it's getting, you know, warmer and warmer in the, in the summer. Um, so we're taking a look at kind of the different market dynamics in, in different different places. So uh, we have not made a decision on kind of some of the next markets we're going to go to yet, but we should be, you should be seeing us in many more states over the next, uh, over the next year or so. And I'm sort of curious, you're, you know, things are coming together to enable this sort of business for the, more or less for the first time. And I'm curious, if, are there competitors yet? Is there anyone else doing what you're doing? Do you expect other people to start doing what you're doing soon? I mean, it's just sort of weird to have this model to yourself. I wonder how long you think that's going to last. 
We'll see. I mean, I think um, I think the space of of home kind of electrification is is generally starting to explode on a few different on a few different fronts. So we certainly um, expect competition. Um, you know, I will say um, our <laughs> the things you have to put together to create uh, a business like Sealed are are varied and, and a little bit weird. So it's it's definitely <laughs> uh, uh, it's definitely you know kind of a natural competitive advantage there. Um, but we certainly expect competition, right? This is this is something a model that's working. Um, we're expanding, and the part of the reason why what we're doing is is possible now is because of the proliferation of digital tools, right? Mm -hmm. We don't, and and we don't actually have to, um, you know, open up a physical, you know, physical office with uh, where we're storing insulation and trucks, right? The companies in the past, like Next Step Living or Mark Group, right? When they wanted to expand, they had to make really, really big capital bets Mm -hmm. from one place to another. We can be a lot more, a lot more agile in terms of how we do that. Um, And that's a, that makes a big difference. Um, And so, you know, as we uh, grow and invest in the future, I'm really excited about what we're going to be able to do in terms of creating a, a digital experience for for buying home weatherization and electrification and other other clean home improvements. Um, we recently um, hired a, a new VP of product, um, Paul Zexer, who came to us from, uh, from 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 Home Advisor, kind of Angie that world. Um, and mm. so we're really excited about you know what him and his team are, are going to be able to uh, to build. Um, we recently also brought on um, a new um, chief revenue new officer, uh, Sarah Pierce, who comes from, from better.com from the, from the mortgage industry. So really seeing kind of like high volume, um, high volume sales, being able to create those digital experiences that allow people to, to kind of buy in a way that is a great experience for the customer, uh, also makes it easier for our team to be able to, to service them. So that's a really big part of what we're investing in. And at the end of the day, our kind of North star is making it easier and more valuable for people to buy clean home improvements, right? To buy a heat pump instead of a new boiler or furnace. I mean, you could imagine getting into stoves. You could imagine getting into water heaters and all kinds of appliances. You can imagine getting into sort of smart home, you know, load coordination type stuff. You could imagine getting into cars, even EVs, even because they are, you know, a piece of the electrified home, I guess, sort of like how comprehensive <laughs> a take on the electrified home do you, do yeah. you want to, do you want to do? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to commit my, uh, my, my product team to anything uh, specific <laughs> on the, on the podcast, but I can, I can tell you, um, you know, from going through my own home weatherization and electrification journey, um, there's a lot of great technology out there. One, one of the great things, and I think another reason why this kind of business is is growing so fast right now is because the hardware is there, right? The technology is there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got smart everything, right? We've got yeah. smart. I bought a, uh, recently I bought a, a smart um, washer and my smart dryer is, you know, is, is backlogged a little bit, but should get here soon. And like one thing that I hadn't even thought about, um, it's much more efficient than my old washer. And I just put in essentially a canister of laundry detergent. And then I never have to think about pouring out, um, you know, laundry detergent. When I do it, I just throw the clothes in the, uh, in the washer. I press go and it's done. Right. I hadn't even thought of it. Yeah. Now my washer feels stupid. (laughs) Exactly. But I I didn't even, (laughs) this, this is one of the great things about the technology that's out there now, but also why, 
we need companies like Sealed kind of uh, spreading the message and talking about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, to return to the theme, like homeowners can't, just the average homeowner can't possibly be keeping track of all these technological loans in all these different areas, exactly. all these, you know, they need someone to paint a big picture for them. Exactly, exactly. So I think there's a lot of things like that that we're excited to help. Um, and ultimately, you know, our, our, our goal is to take take homes off of, off of fossil fuel, right? When we are able to weatherize and electrify a home and, and pair that with, with renewable energy, we're taking, you know, we're taking homes fully off of, of fossil fuel. And so there's, you know, we're hitting the big stuff first, right? You're heating and cooling and your water, right. heating, which we, we do offer uh, heat pump water heaters. I've got, I've got one myself now. Um, works great. That that is you know that's where you want to start. But to your point, you know where we want to be able to get people to is completely taking them off of fossil fuel and having a you know a completely clean home. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a great place to uh, conclude with a nation full of fossil free homes. <laughs> sounds great, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on in this really uh, interesting work. It's a really interesting place to be, uh, an interesting time to be in it. So thanks for coming on and uh, sharing. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Volts Podcast. It is ad-free, powered entirely by listeners like you. If you value conversations like this, please consider becoming a paid Volts subscriber at volts.wtf. Yes, that's volts.wtf, so that I can continue doing this work. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.